0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Good morning. So great to be here in the Dallas-Fort Worth. We give God a great big applause today. He's just worthy of all our praise, all our worship. I have the privilege of traveling around the world, and I tell you, you have a wonderful worship team here. And um, I've been involved in Jeff and Brandy's life, as Jed alluded to, well over 20 years and have known Jed and Sarah that long at least, and so I just love coming here. I told the, told the other service this morning, I also love Tex-Mex food and barbecue. I might not come as much if you didn't have those, but anyway, it is always great to be here. You've been in a series um, entitled Final Moments, and Pastor Tyron spoke on John 14 last week. Pastor Jed will talk next week about John 17, this astonishing prayer of Jesus, and I have the privilege of talking about John chapter 16. I'm going to entitle or subtitle this message Connected Embracing the Holy Spirit's ministry. I'm going to break this message into five points and I'll pray. I'm going to talk give you some perspective on kind of one of the most amazing statements in the Bible. And when I want to talk a little bit about this person the Bible calls the advocate, the comforter, I then wanna talk about why did Jesus send him, then the problem with relating to him, what makes it difficult, and lastly, some of the painful transitions he can help us through. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for Milestone. Just thank you for the ways you've grown them, Lord, uh, not just numerically, but spiritually. I thank you for just the great growth in your presence. Lord, as I pray, as they continue on toward Easter, you touch men and women all over this great metroplex. And most of all, Lord, we thank you for your ongoing presence. We thank you that you're with us. Amen. In John 16, 5 through 7, Jesus has been in the process, as Pastor Tyron talked about last week, of letting the disciples go, I'm leaving. You're not going to have me the way you're used to. And he says this, now I'm going to him who sent me, the Father, of course. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've told you this. Jesus, when I just got through telling you, you're not going to have me physically much longer, you're heartbroken. I would have been for sure. But very truly, I tell you something. It's good for you that I'm going away. How could it be good for them that Jesus was leaving physically? I mean, they'd watched him walk on water, raise the dead, feed thousands with a picnic lunch. He said, what I'm getting ready to do for you It's so amazing, it's good you're not gonna have me in this form much longer. He said this, unless I go away, the advocate, that's what the NIV calls him, will not come to you, but if I go, I'll send him to you. Jesus is amazing as I am. When I get up to heaven, I'm gonna send someone else to you. And when you get him, when you walk with him, you'll realize why it's better. Now, he introduces this person to us. Really, you can see him talked about in John 14, and really in John 7, he alludes to it on the last and great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. He says in 737 to 39, says in the last great day of the Feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if you're thirsty, if there's a void in your life, if there's a hole in your life, come to me and drink. And if you believe what the Bible says, out of your inner spirit will come rivers of living water, Then he stops and says this, and he spoke of the Holy Spirit, who had not yet been given because Jesus wasn't glorified. Now, in the NIV, they call him the advocate. In the ESV, they call him the helper. In the King James, they call him the comforter. But it's all from this Greek word, paraclete. In the original language, this connotes someone that intercedes for you, someone that mediates, maybe like a legal person mediating for you, someone that helps you, encourages you, advocates for you. If you ever look at the book Book of Job, that'll give you some perspective on your own pain. At one point in Job, he cries, oh, if I had a mediator. Oh, if I had an intercessor. If I just had someone who could connect me to God. Now, Jesus, of course, is our great intercessor, but the Holy Spirit helps us experience the reality of that. Now, why did Jesus send him? What could be so great about the Holy Spirit, that Jesus said, it's better for you to have him than me physically. What makes him so special? Now typically, if if you come out of kind of religious background or church background, when you think about the Holy Spirit, you think about his power, his conviction. We know in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit to his disciples, after he'd been raised from the dead, really getting ready to ascend into heaven, he said this, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're gonna be my witnesses. He's gonna empower you to share the gospel. He's gonna empower you to reach out to your friends. But in this chapter, Jesus introduces some other aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry. And one of those is to connect us to God the Father and God the Son. Jesus says in John 14, 16 through 18, I'm going to ask my dad, he's going to give you another counselor to be with you forever. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you alone. Now, we know an orphan in its classic definition is someone who has parentless, parents gone. There's other types of being orphaned from family, from friends, lonely, vulnerable. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to come to you and the Holy Spirit's gonna make that real. I'll leave John one second, and it's not up here, but Romans five, five. The Bible says, hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? The Holy Spirit is the one that makes God's love real to you. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes the peace of the Godhead real to you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who connects you to the reality of who you are in Christ. Those moments when depression is just rippling through your soul, and all of a sudden, you can't even hardly explain it, a joy bubbles up. I'll never forget many, many decades ago, I was, and I'm 63 now, maybe I was 34 then, I can't remember, I had four small kids, and the doctor had just told me, we think your wife's cancer and her thyroid is now spread into her brain. How many of you know that's not good news when you're 34, four small kids? And I was scared to death. I went back to check on the kids driving back that little road, and all of a sudden, my anxiety was flooded away with a peace that passes all understanding. What happened? The Holy Spirit began to allow me to experience the peace of God, touch me, drowned in my fear, and she was fine the next day. Now. Whether she was healed or she never had it, who knows, I don't really care, I'm just happy. In John 16, Jesus says, he's gonna glorify me because it's from me that he received what he makes known to you, and I've given you what my dad made known to me. What is he saying? The Holy Spirit is gonna communicate everything I'm saying and my father is saying to you. The job of the Holy Spirit is to draw you close to the Godhead. He's a convictor. Jesus says in John 16, eight through 11, when he comes, he'll prove the world to be wrong. About sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father and you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world is cast down. What does that mean? It's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict people. It is the Holy Spirit that when you sin, you'll feel that grief that when you're in a little dispute with your spouse, maybe you're never, but you know someone who does, and you feel like you're so right in what you're telling her, and you walk away, you're grieved. Holy Spirit's like an umpire. He will call you out. Maybe would you say, well, Pastor Jim, I never feel bad about anything. I guess I'm living perfectly. Probably not. Paul says in an interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Paul says, my conscience is not bothering me, but that doesn't make me innocent, God judges me. Our consciences can get messed up, the Bible tells us. The Bible says you can sear your conscience. You can sin to the point where like you burn the spiritual nerve endings of your conscience and even when you're hurting yourself, you don't feel it. You can corrupt it. It's one of the reasons that you have to stay in the Word of God because as you read that Word and allow the Word of God to work in you, it resensitizes your conscience. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will counsel you. It says, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. He'll tell you what's going to happen. He'll tell you what you're facing in the future. This Holy Spirit will counsel you. How does he do that, Pastor? Number one, he'll bring the Bible to you at critical times. Other times, you'll feel the sense of his presence. He'll communicate with you. We'll talk about that in a moment. Jesus said, you're gonna be so glad to get him, you're not gonna grieve over me. This Holy Spirit convict you, counsel you, he'll console you. It's a word for comfort. John 14 says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. Have you ever been praying or going through something and all of a sudden, a verse of scripture just comes to your mind? That's the Holy Spirit. He's reminding you of what Jesus said. Now, here is the problem. The Holy Spirit, yes, he wants to convict you, wants to counsel you, wants to console you, wants to connect you, but the problem is many times, the Holy Spirit is on a different wavelength than you. I've been a Christian a long time, 55 years, 63. And here's one of the real problems of being a Christian. Number one, God's invisible, you can't see him. And number two, he almost never talks audibly. So like, how do you get to know this God who is invisible and doesn't talk out loud most of the time? Well, we have the Bible and that's great. It's all true, judges everything I think and believe. And I love to read that story, but I'd love to get some personal time with the author from time to time. I mean, how do we pray when we never hear anything back seemingly? How do you do that? What's the problem? Jesus puts his hand on the problem in John 14, 15 through 17. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I'm gonna ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. My dad is gonna send this Holy Spirit, he's gonna help you in your marriage, he's gonna help you in your parenting, he's gonna help you in your job, he's gonna help you walk the Christian life, he is gonna help you in every area of your life, and he'll never be taken away from you. But here's the problem. The world, or those outside of Christ, cannot accept him. Why? Why can't they accept this invisible God, God the Holy Spirit? Because they can't see him. Holy Spirit cannot be seen through a telescope. He cannot be seen through a microscope. He cannot be seen with your naked eye. He can't be proven empirically, and through the scientific method, you're not going to figure it out. They can't see him, and they don't know him. They have no relationship with him. They're spiritually separated from God. But you know him. Paul didn't say you'll see him. Paul says you will know him. Now how will you know him? Because he'll live with you and be in you. What Paul is saying here is you're gonna get to know this Holy Spirit, yes, through the word, but yes, through experience, you're gonna learn how he communicates, the sense of his presence, how he convicts you, how he guides you, because he's gonna live with you and he's gonna live in you. When you ask Jesus in your heart, he, he listened. Through the Holy Spirit, he took up residence with your human spirit. Jesus told the disciples in John 14, Pastor Tyron may have alluded to it last week, my Father and I will live in you. We'll take up residence in you. Now, how do we get to know him? Jesus said, it's so important that you get him, I'm leaving. How do we begin to relate to the third person of the Trinity, fully God, in such a way we can experience his conviction, his connection, his consolation, his comfort? How do we do that? Now, I've learned in my own life, there are four ways the Holy Spirit communicates truth with me. The primary way is the Bible. I can hold my iPad up, it doesn't look like a Bible, the Bible's here, it's the Bible. It's the inspired Word of God, it judges everything we do and say. And I appreciate the Bible, i said Hebrew, Greek, all of it, but I really appreciate the Holy Spirit's help, why? It's because when I read that Bible every day, and I do, it's the Holy Spirit that applies that scripture to my life, my marriage, my parenting, my grandparenting, but also, Many times when I'm in distress, many times when I'm praying, whether it's for a dying child that we're facing as parents some years ago and God touched him, we've gone through that a couple times, or cancer, or some crisis in the world, or some situation, maybe on the Syrian border walking into a situation with broken refugees. And so, in prayer, many times I feel stuck, I imagine you do too, and all of a sudden, as I'm praying, a scripture will just come to my mind. Now, the Bible is called, in the book of Ephesians, the sword of the Spirit. That means, as you speak the word, there's something sharp about it. And a lot of times when I'm praying, the Holy Spirit will give me a scripture, and as I begin to pray that scripture, all of a sudden, I feel like my prayer is cutting through something. There are times that I'm hurting, and all of a sudden, I'll be in the presence of God, trying to get comforted, And this scripture will come to me and as I just close my eyes and begin to speak it, I can feel his touch. But he's also very sensory. Let me ask you a question. If you've ever felt God in your life, raise your hand. Almost every one of us, put your hands down. Well, how do you know? You can't prove that empirically. I've prayed over lots of people in this world. I've prayed over dictators, Atheists, I've sprayed with all kinds of people from every walk of life, Muslim leaders, and I've watched them all feel God and not even can hardly put it in words. So he's sensory. In the Bible, it talks about the burden of the Lord, it talks about the presence of God, it talks about the joy of the Spirit, and that means God can be felt. Well, when you begin to walk with him and understand him, you'll begin to realize, okay, that feeling means he's not really happy, or that feeling is my, that's his presence. I'll never forget, I was a, a young missionary in a war zone. It was a, a brutal war, it lasted many years, and I was probably 22 when I went. And uh, at one point, I remember they executed people in front of my house, they fought the army on my street. And I got hepatitis while I was there, and it, and when I got home, it manifested and I was dying. Um, it's bedridden, might have been 23 by that time, I can't remember dying. And all of a sudden, you know, I was delirious a lot of the time. One night I felt the presence of God. Just like we, we felt in here this morning. But I felt it in a way that was very strong. You begin to realize there are different levels of experiencing God's presence. And the presence of God was so strong I couldn't feel the fever in my body anymore. It's a true story. And I woke up the next morning well. What happened? God healed me. It was a medical fact. And so that came, it was almost like a sensory overload. I could feel God so much and you'll begin to realize in your life, man, I just had this greatest sense of God's presence. Well, God doesn't just speak to us in a sensory way, we know God speaks to us in a visionary way. You go, really? I go, yeah, Job 33 says, God speaks to people one way, then another, they may not perceive it, in a vision, in a dream. The Bible from cover to cover is full of people who saw visions, it's full of people who had dreams. I remember the story of Peter. He was the reluctant missionary to the Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, that's someone like you. And he did not want to go and minister to Gentiles right before lunch he fell asleep and a big sheet came down from heaven. You can read the story in Acts 10. I think it's 10 and in that sheet, who knows, fried shrimp, pulled pork, spare ribs, I mean all the things I love. And the Holy Spirit said, take, eat. He goes, no, I won't. I just said, it's about time, yes, Lord. <laughs> Happened two more times. Finally, the Holy Spirit said, stop calling, unclean what I call clean. There's going to be a knock at your door. Go. Went downstairs. It was a, a, probably a Roman soldier, the aide of a Roman centurion. Go with him. So God, at times I begin to learn in my own life, on the screen of your imagination, little pictures will come that you didn't imagine God puts there. You say, that's crazy. No, it's true. I'll give you an example. Um, one of my best friend's son was, was on the way to Afghanistan back when the fighting was hot, still there, but some of the tough times, and he was gonna go lead a fire base as a platoon leader. I helped raise this kid, and he came to me, and I said, listen, son, I'm promising to pray for you every night. I felt the Holy Spirit inspired me, because my wife and I, back when we were dating 40-something years ago, one of the commitments we made was to pray every night before we went to bed. And so every night we pray for him. But one, it was one of those nights where I began to pray and I could feel the presence of I I need to stop here and think about this. And as I stopped, I closed my eyes and began to wait. And here is what crossed the screen of my imagination. I saw Jeremy in Afghanistan and he was on a patrol. And, and as he was patrolling, I saw his foot getting ready to step on an IED. And all of a sudden, I, I said, Lord, stop him, let him see it. I just began to pray until the burden left me. He came back home, months later he goes, man, Uncle Jim, you're not gonna believe this. I don't know if you're praying for me, I know you were. He said, I was on patrol one night and I was stepping down and fell to look and I saw the, 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 whatever, the plate of an IED on the ground would have killed me. What happened? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He helped me pray for him. I mean, the Holy Spirit, it is amazing, amazing in what he does. And I can't tell you all the times that's happened. My son Peter has triplets, and some of you know Peter. He's out from your church. He's seen hundreds and hundreds of Muslims saved. And um, I was, we, we pray for our grandchildren. The more we get, the longer it takes now. I'm praying for our grandchildren every night and I'm praying for Joel, and all of a sudden I stop it. Kathy goes, what's wrong? I said, remember those big glass doors at Peter's house? She goes, yeah, I remember, honey. She goes, I see Joel pushing his way through those and tumbling down those stairs. I call Peter, I said, I'm worried about Peter with those glass doors. He goes, Dad, just yesterday, he got through the glass doors and was almost down the stairs. I mean, you say, that's coincidence. Oh, no, that's not. That is the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, doesn't just speak to us in a visionary way he speaks to us in an auditory way of course through the word that's primary but elijah talked about hearing the whisper of the holy spirit paul said in romans 8:16, he said the holy spirit will witness to your spirit what well, that means testify now when you testify to someone how do you do that well you tell them something and so Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit will tell you over and over, you're God's son, you're God's daughter, you're God's son, you're God's daughter, he loves you. He'll tell you through the Bible, but there are times in the experience of millions of Christians and many of you here where you've heard like this soft voice in your conscious mind, it doesn't sound like yours. Could it be God talking to you? Oh man. And God will talk. My mother, she's um, 87 years old. She's been a Christian decades and decades. My daddy's gone on, he was a tremendous Christian and my mama loves the Lord and I can remember a couple of years ago, she prays for me all the time. I was walking out of the house to go preach on a Sunday. I was burdened down to the nth degree and I had all these specific, I was in the car on the way to church, I called it praying, it was really worrying. I was worrying in the presence of God. I at my cell phone, lights up and I come to a stop and I pick it up my mama goes, hi, honey, it's mama. I know you're worried about this, this, and this, and that. Everything i worried about, she goes, I've been praying, don't worry, preach well. What is that? That's the help of the Holy Spirit through my mom. You say, golly, no, that's just, that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit might put you on someone's heart. I was talking to one of the great pastor's wives, and she goes, I've been praying for you. Ever since you were here last time, I I said, I've been praying for your strength. I'll tell you, that was the Holy Spirit. He helps us. He aids us. Some of you know the stories of of my third son. He was off in in a dangerous refugee camp and working with my son Peter. He contracted a terrible parasite, went from 228 pounds playing college football to 104 pounds dying. I literally hold him in my arms, skin and bones, my tears, calling on him. there were no answers. But one of the things that sustained me through that was something that happened a few years before. Kathy and I were praying for him, and all of a sudden, I felt this impression of the Holy, Spirit. we kept praying for him, and, I, and God spoke to me this, he said, son, your son Robert is gonna get very, very sick. It's gonna scare you and your wife to death. But trust me, I'll bring him through it. I wrote that down. The next day, Robert came to me and he said, Dad, I understand this, but I feel like i got a bout of sickness coming, but God will bring me through it. You say, what's that? How many of the Holy Spirit helped me? And it was moments, and he's, by the way, living and vibrant, thank the Lord, but at those moments holding him dying, I'd have to remind myself, you, you spoke this to me. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that the real problem we have many times with experiencing what the Holy Spirit has is his wavelength is just different. He'll remind you of a scripture. You'll feel the nuance of his presence. You'll feel the bubbling of his joy. It's so critical. I look at all the decades I've been a Christian and all I've walked through, I'm so thankful God sent him. I am so thankful for the third person of the Trinity, he connects me to the Godhead, comforts me, touches me, helps me. Jesus was right when he said in this world, you'll have tribulation. Life's painful. When I look back what I've walked through, if it was not for the help of God and my brothers and sisters, I couldn't have made it. Now, let's examine a metaphor before we close. And then I'll summarize. Jesus gives us an interesting metaphor in John 16, 23 to 28. They kept asking him, what does it mean, this little while we won't see you, this little while we won't see you? What does this mean? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you'll see me? They hadn't yet comprehended he really was gonna die on the cross, that was probably 24 hours away or so. He was gonna be in that tomb three days while they were shattered in their faith, then rise from the dead. And he never really gave him. he never really told them what he meant, but he said, verily I'm gonna tell you this, you're getting ready to weep and mourn while the world or my enemies are laughing. You're going to grieve like you've never grieved, but your grief is gonna turn to joy. Then he gives us this metaphor. A woman giving birth to a child, and many of you ladies and here have had babies, transitional labor, I've, I've watched it, that transition coming before the baby's born. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child's born. I watch him with an agonizing labor, then smiling, holding that baby. Now, why does he use this metaphor? And he says this, so with you, you're coming into your labor now. You're coming into the pain, but I'll see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one can take it. Now, Jesus uses this metaphor of the labor of childbirth, and it's true for all of us, not that we'll see Jesus crucified, no, but the principle's true. That even as there's natural labor, Jesus, there's spiritual labor pains, And many times before the birth of your promise or the birth of that change in your marriage, the birth of what you want to see in your child or your career, there's just a lot of pain. Things are shaking all around you. And why I tell you that is there's no greater labor coach in the world than the Holy Spirit. He'll either coach you directly or he'll coach you through a brother or sister you know and love. And I felt to emphasize this because some of you are in that kind of pain right now. There's a pain in your soul, a pain in your marriage, a pain with a child. You say, I prayed for God's answer. All I've gotten is pain. Don't be afraid. Spiritual birth pains. And as you allow the word to strengthen you and the Holy Spirit to minister to you and his people to touch you, out of that pain is gonna come a promise that'll cause you to forget the pain. I've seen it. God heals and touches and blesses. Now let me summarize this. Jesus gives us this astonishing promise in, astonishing promise in John 16. "It's better for you that I go because if I didn't go, the comforter, the advocate, he would not come." I mean, how could Jesus say that? Jesus could say that because he knew who the Holy Spirit was, the third person in Trinity, and how it impacted your life. He'd comfort you, console you, connect you to the reality of God, counsel you, convict you. But there's a problem. God's a spirit. He rarely speaks audibly and he's invisible. From time to time in Scripture, he manifests, but humans just fall and can't even look when he does. And the problem is, how do we get on his wavelength? Like how do we, how do we experience this? This becomes the question. Yes, we experience the Bible, that's true. Makes the Bible real to you, touches you, but we also experience it through sensory things We just feel His love. Don't raise your hand, you ever feel loved by God? I have. Peace when you have no reason in the natural to be peaceful. Joyful when you're looking into a future fraught with pain. Holy Spirit allows you to experience the emotions of God. I know what it is to be so afraid and in so much crisis and so much physical pain, no answers from doctors His presence just comes and touches me. Time and time again, He's comforted me. Time and time and time again, He's convicted me. He's counseled me. He's guided me. What I've watched Him do for my wife and my mom, my kids, me, He'll do for you says, I'm not gonna leave you as an orphan. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. He'll help you, and He'll never leave you. There's not one of us here that doesn't need His help. The longer I walk with God, the more I need it. His health. Like many of you, I've faced lots of painful situations major health traumas been traumatized myself but the Holy Spirit's never failed to bring me through God's word is true and that Holy Spirit will bring it to you I appreciate the fellowship of my dear friends Jeff, Brandy, Jed, Sarah others of you Tyron and Betsy I've known 17, 18 years watched them grow up but there's no fellowship like that with God. And His Holy Spirit will make Him real to you. I know lots of you are hurting right now. You're in great pain. Let Him coach you through it. I know some of you feel like you've just come to the end of your rope. Depression hounding you, pounding you. He can help you. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. If you're here and you just say, Pastor Jim, I just need more of the Holy Spirit's help in my life, I need him. Just raise your hand right now. Lord, you see these hands up. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd comfort every one of these people. I pray you'd reveal yourself to every member of this church as our comforter. Now, if you are here, one last thing, you say, I'm in lots of pain and I need the Holy Spirit to get me through this pain. I'm in lots of spiritual birth pain. I need help. Put your hand up, I'm gonna pray for you right now. Let me see, there we go. Help them, Lord. Come touch them. I pray, Lord, as milestone grows, they grow in your presence. They grow in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his word. And I thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, he makes you real to us. He makes your Father real to us. Lord, we don't, can't prove it empirically, but our experience lines up with your word. We see your handprints everywhere we look, and we're thankful. And I pray the Milestone family experience the greatest level of your comfort, your consolation, conviction, your counsel, and your connection. I thank you for them so much. Amen. Amen. Will you join me in giving Pastor Jim a hand? Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com.